You say, a few thousand years ago, one of us, one of the animal species, lived and died. Who knows, maybe it was a special one of us. Maybe it was the historical Christ or Buddha or one of those. And let's say that their identity reappears in a new body. Why does this person not remember their previous life? And if they do, can the memory be brought into consciousness? Life answers, how do you know that the same person, as you call them, appeared or reappeared in this new body? A new body may mean a new person altogether. You say, well, imagine a wooden receptacle filled with coconut oil. When the container cracks, the coconut oil remains and can be transferred to another vessel. The old receptacle had its own scent, the new has a different scent. The oil will carry some of the scent from the old receptacle to the new receptacle, in the same way that personal identity is perhaps transferred from body to body. Life says, okay, so when there is the body, true, its peculiarities affect the person. Without the body, we have you might say, pure identity in the sense of I am. But when you are reborn in a new body, where is the world that was formerly experienced by the old body? You say, well, every body, right, experiences its own world. Life answers, in the present body, the old body, is it merely an idea or is it a memory? You say, an idea, of course, how can a brain remember what it has not experienced? Life says, well, it sounds to me like you've answered your own question. Why play with ideas? Be content with what you're sure of. And the only thing you can be sure of is, for want of a better word, I am. Stay with this and reject everything else. This is the path of wisdom. You say, I can reject only verbally. At best, I remember to repeat the formula. This is not me, this is not mine, I am beyond all this, etc, etc. Life says, well, good enough. First verbally, then mentally and emotionally, then in action. Give attention to the reality within you and it will come to light. It's a bit like churning the cream for butter. Do it correctly and assiduously and the result is sure to come. You say, how can the absolute of which you are talking, be the result of a process? Life answers, you are right. The relative cannot result in the absolute, but the relative can block the absolute as well, just as the non-churning of the cream may prevent the butter from separating. It is the real that creates the urge, the inner prompts, the outer and out. It is the real that creates the urge, the inner, the inner prompts the outer, and the outer responds in interest and effort to the inner. But ultimately, there is no inner nor outer. The light of consciousness is both the creator and the creature, the experiencer and the experience, the body and the embodied. Take care of the power that projects all this and your problems will come to an end. You say, well, what is the, what is the projecting power? Life answers, it is imagination prompted by desire. You say, I know all this, but, but it seems like I have no power over it. 
Life says, this is another illusion of yours, born from craving for results. You say, what is wrong with purposeful action? Life says, well, it does not really apply. In these matters, there is no question of purpose nor of action. All you need to do is listen, remember, ponder. It's a bit like taking food. All you can do is bite off and chew and swallow, and all else is unconscious and automatic. Listen, bite, remember, chew, understand, swallow. The mind is both the actor and the stage. All is of the mind, and you are not the mind. The mind is born, and the mind is reborn. But not you, not the life that is you. The mind creates the world and all the wonderful variety of it. Just like in a good play, you have all sorts of characters and situations, so you need a, a little of everything, really, to make the world. You say, yeah, but, but nobody suffers in a play, or rather the actors perform suffering, but they're not actually suffering. They're actually quite happy. Life says, well, unless one identifies oneself with the play or one identifies oneself with the suffering part that, that you as the actor are, are playing, I mean, don't identify yourself with the world and you will not suffer. You say, yeah, but, but others will. Life answers then, Make your world perfect by all means. If you believe in life, work with life, not against it. If you do not, become one. Either see the world as a play or work at it with all your might or both. You say, what about uh, the identity of a dying person? What happens to it when they are dead? Do you agree that it continues in another body? Life says it continues and yet it does not. All depends on how you look at it. What is identity after all? Continuity and memory. Can you talk of identity without memory? You say, yes, I can. The child may not know its parents, yet the hereditary characteristics will still be there. Life asks, well, who identifies these hereditary characteristics? Somebody with a memory to register and compare. Don't you see that memory right what we remember is the warp of our mental life it's it's everything and identity is merely a pattern of events in time and space remembered change the pattern and you have changed the human animal you say but the pattern is significant and important it has its own value by saying that a, a woven design is merely colored threads you miss the most important thing about it the beauty of that design or by describing a book as paper with ink stains on it you miss the meaning identity is valuable because it is the basis of individuality that which makes us unique and that which makes us irreplaceable i am as you put it is the intuition of this uniqueness Life answers yes and no. Identity, individuality, uniqueness, they are the most valuable aspects of the mind. Yet, of the mind only. I am all there is, is an experience equally valid. The particular and the universal are kind of inseparable. They are the two aspects of the nameless as seen from without and from within. Unfortunately, 
<laughs> and it is unfortunate because this is what we're using. Words only mention but don't convey. Try and go beyond the words if you can. You say, okay then, so what dies with death? Life answers, the idea, I am this body, dies, but the witness does not. You say, one of the oldest Indian religions, Jainism, as you know, argues for a multiplicity of witnesses, forever separate. Life answers, that is their traditions, based on the experience of some great people. The one witness reflects itself in countless bodies as I am. As long as the bodies, however subtle, last, the I am appears as many. Beyond the body, there is only the one. You say, when, you, when you're talking about the one, you mean here, life? Life answers, yes, life, the creator, whose body is the world. The nameless one is beyond all lives. You say, okay, your teacher, the one you're always talking about, your teacher died. What difference did it make to them? Life answers none. What they were, they are the absolute reality. You say, but to the average human animal, death really does make a difference. <laughs> Life answers, what they think themselves to be before death, they continue to be after death. Self-image, if you like, survives. Just look at the internet. You say, the other day you were talking about the use of animal skins for meditation, etc. I was not convinced by your arguments. It is easy to justify everything by referring to customs and traditions. Customs may be cruel and traditions corrupt. They explain, but they do not justify. Life answers, I never meant to say that lawlessness follows self-realization. A liberated human animal is extremely law-abiding, but their laws are the laws of their real self, not of their society. These the wise human animal observes or breaks according to circumstances and necessity, but they will never be fanciful and disorderly, and nor will I. You say, what I cannot accept is justification by custom and habit, and you do a lot of that. Life answers, well, the difficulty lies in our differing points of view. You speak from the body-mind's point of view, and I speak from that of witness. The difference is kind of basic. You say, still, cruelty is cruelty. Life answers, no one is compelling you to be cruel. You say, taking advantage of other people's cruelty is cruelty by proxy. Eating their cruelty, wearing their cruelty, being nurtured by their cruelty. Life says, well, if you look into the living, interliving process closely, you will find cruelty everywhere, for life feeds on life. And that's kind of cruel. This is a fact, but it does not make you feel guilty of being alive. You began a life of cruelty by giving your mother endless trouble, and to the last day of your life, you will compete in some way for food, for clothing, for shelter, holding onto your body, fighting for its needs, wanting it to be secure in a world of insecurity and death. From any animal's point of view, including our human animal point of view, being killed is not the worst form of dying. Surely it's preferable to sickness and senile decay. The cruelty lies in the motive, not in the fact. Killing hurts the killer, not the killed. You say, okay, that's one way of putting it. But then, are we to accept, are you to accept, when you go for dinner, 
the services of hunters and butchers. Life asks, well, who wants me to accept? Who wants you to accept? You say, you accept. You clearly accept from the way you talk. Life answers, well, that's how you see me. How quickly you accuse and condemn and sentence and execute. Why begin with me and not with you? You say, well, surely someone like you could set an example. I'm, I'm not sitting here every day in front of people and uh, espousing the wisdom of life. I'm just reading your words. Life says, well, are you ready to follow my example? I am dead to the world. I want nothing, not even to live. Be as I am, do as I do. You are judging me by my clothes and by, the f by my food. Well, I only look at your motives. If you believe yourself to be the body and the mind and you act on your body and on your mind, you in some way are also guilty of the greatest cruelty, cruelty to your own real being. Compared to it, all other cruelties in some fashion don't really count because it's you and your being and your body and your mind and your relationship with them. You say, you are taking refuge in the claim that you are not the body, but you are in control of the body and responsible for all it does, as you just suggested. If you feel your body flesh that had been acquired, if you feed, sorry, your body flesh that has been acquired through cruelty, you are eating cruelty. To allow the body full autonomy would be imbecility, madness. Life says, calm down. Keep calm and carry on. I am also against all killings of animal, for flesh or fur. But I, I don't make this the center of my identity. Veganism is a worthy cause. But in 1971, the year in which I am speaking from, it is not the most urgent cause on the planet. It might have become so in 2021, where you are speaking back to me from, but in 1971, it is not the most urgent cause. And, 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 and all causes are served best by the human animal who is living with those causes in the now and who has returned to their source. You say, when I was at the Ramana Ashram in Tamil Nadu, I felt the presence of that wise teacher all over, that all-pervading, all-perceiving presence. Life says, well, you have the necessary faith. Those who have true faith in, 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 in that uh, human animal will see the holder of that faith everywhere and at all times, in other human animals, in nature, everywhere. All happens according to your faith and your faith is the shape of your desire. You say, the faith you have in yourself, is not that too a shape of a desire? Life answers, when I say I am, I do not mean a separate entity with a body as its nucleus. I mean the totality of being, the ocean of consciousness, the entire universal of all that is and knows. I have nothing to desire for I am complete forever. You say, yeah, but I don't know. I mean, that's all very well, but can you touch the inner life of, of other human animals? Can you touch my inner life? Or are you just life, you know, no desire, complete forever? Life answers, I am 
I am all human animals. You say, I, I do not mean identity of essence or substance, nor similarity of form. I mean, I mean the actual entering into the minds and the hearts of others and participating in their personal experiences. Can you suffer and rejoice with me? Uh, you know, the way that I might say with my clients? Or do you only infer what I feel from observation and analogy? Life says, all beings are in me, but bringing down into the brain the content of another brain is something else. But, you know, there's nothing that can be achieved, that cannot be achieved by training, and I'm sure you've done some training in which you were taught how to, uh, how to feel compassion. Isn't that what uh, psychotherapeutic training is? It teaches you how to be compassionate. You say, I am, I am not your projection, nor are you mine. I am, uh, I am on my own right. I am on my own. I am on my own right, not merely as your creation. This crude philosophy of imagination and projection does not appeal to me. You are depriving me of all reality. Who is the image of whom? You are my image, or I am your image, or I am image in my own image. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not really getting this. Life answers, well, I, I understand. I mean, words betray their hollowness. The real cannot be described, it must be experienced. I cannot find better words for what I am now. And even my words, as you know, are being, are being translated by this, this, this gentleman who sits here, who knows my language, this, this, this Polish Jew who's translating my words into English. Um, what I say may sound ridiculous, but what the words try to convey is the highest truth. All is one, however much we quibble, and all is done to please the one source and goal of every desire whom we all know as the I am, as life. You say, it is pain that it is at, that it is at the root of desire, if I understand. The, and the basic urge is to escape from pain. Life answers, what is the root of pain? Perhaps it is ignorance of oneself, of ourselves, of life. What is the root of desire? The urge to find something, the urge to find ourselves. All creation toils for itself and will not rest until it returns to it. You say, well, well when will this return happen? This is starting to sound like, you know, the Messiah coming, etc. Life answers, it can return whenever you want it. You say, okay, and the world? Life answers, well, you, you can take it with you. You say, must I wait with helping the world until I reach this sort of great, wise perfection? Life answers, by all means help the world. You will not help much, but the effort will make you grow. There is nothing wrong in trying to help the world. You say, surely there were, uh, I don't know, people, common people, you know, someone like Gandhi, right? Who helped greatly. Life answers, when the time comes for the world to be helped, some of us will be given the will and the wisdom and the power to cause great changes or not. <laughs>